welcome to the Massive Attack hey. Podcast, episode 122. I am your host, Mitch, and with me as always is Joe. Hello, Joe. Hello, Mitch. How are you? I'm good. So, we are in the 2021 version of our A to Z episodes, and we are looking at the letter I this week. And what are we going to talk about with the letter I, Joe? Well, we thought about a few things for letter I, but we went back to the 80s and our fond times of being a youth and watching television, especially cartoons, and we've decided we're going to look at the cartoon series Inspector Gadget. Inspector Gadget. It was very much an iconic theme song, wasn't it? Yes. Now, you would have been in Australia when this was air, when you saw it, is that right? Yes, I was, yes. Yes. So this was a staple, and we've talked about it in the past, where in Australia we had our five channels, SBS was the fifth channel, which we didn't even bother because most of my tellies couldn't even get it back then. So it was the ABC, which was the national broadcaster, Channel 7, 9, and 10. So the ABC had educational programs, essentially, but they also played an afternoon block of entertainment that wasn't news or game shows, essentially. So that's where I lived. And a lot of my friends, I think a lot of us, and probably you, we... Grew up watching that 5 to 6, even up to 6.30 block of Astro Boy, Battle of the Planet, Star Blazers, Goodies, Kenny Everett video shows. Yes. Those sort of things. That was that bracket. And one of the shows that was in there was Inspector Gadget. Well, it was even more prevalent for me when I was younger because I lived in rural New South Wales and we only had two channels. We had ABC and one commercial channel. So it was pretty much unless I wanted to watch the news or Family Feud or whatever crap was on the commercial channel, it had had to be ABC and being a kid that liked cartoons it was it was no choice really it had to be the ABC yeah so it's sort of weird because I, I, I hummed the tune before badly but the Inspector Gadget theme is iconic and it was an interesting cartoon I don't know if I would have liked it or not or just because it was that ABC afternoon thing that was all I had so I watched it yeah and got into it because of that I don't know, because it's a sort of frustrating show. So let's talk about it, all right? So Inspector Gadget, he's a police inspector, I guess you'd call it. Yep. And he's a cyborg. It's a very cartoony looks. I can't even compare what he looks like. He he doesn't look like your Hanna-Barbera or your Thundercats or your He-Man. He's got a very simple cartoony sort of look. He wears a grey trench coat and a hat and a big nose, black hair. And like I said, he's a cyborg. So he's got spring legs, rocket roller skates, and a helicopter that comes out of his hat. His thumb is a lighter and all these sort of things what he needs to be. And it's never explained. There's no origin episode from what I can tell. No, not in the cartoon. I don't remember seeing the first episode or whatever. He just is. Yep. And he's got a car, like a minivan that can transform into a convert into a police car. Yep. And he's got his, his niece, Penny. And his dog brain, or is it her dog? I'm not sure. It's her dog. And essentially, he is sent off by Chief Quimby to solve crimes or do whatever he has to do. And he's a klutz. Yeah. He's a bit naive. He's a bit stupid, doesn't really have full control over his cybernetic. And essentially, if it wasn't for his niece and brain, he probably would die. Mm, yes. They sort of get him out of traps, but he doesn't know that. Yes. And he's always seems to be up against the powers of MAD, M-A-D, which is run by Dr. Claw, who was an unseen nemesis as far as you saw him from behind a chair. Yep. From the back. So you just saw his metal gauntlet, essentially, as he patted Mad Cat. Mm. Thinking back now, I have not gone back and watched an episode. I couldn't tell you plots. 
for this cartoon. I would have watched it religiously because, like I said, it was an afternoon show and I watched it because it was a cartoon and it wasn't the news or Family Feud. And it was sort of like, what did he stop? He stopped crimes. Was it Dr. Claw every episode? Yes, it was. It was, okay. Yep. So there were just machinations of him stopping it clumsily and funny. Now, I have fond memories of the theme song. I have fond memories of the look of the cartoon. And I remember the very first time I watched the show, it's like, that's Maxwell Smart. Yes, exactly. Because it was voiced by Don Adams. Inspector Gadget was voiced by Don Adams, who is, if you don't know, from Get Smart, Maxwell Smart. And that was something that used to be on pretty much every night of the week for runs. The repeats were shown quite regularly. Yeah. So it was a show that I did really enjoy and was very familiar with it. And then the first time I watched this new cartoon that showed up on the afternoon show, I was like, I know that voice. That's that's Get Smart. Hmm. Yeah. So it came out originally in the States in 1983, but we didn't get it here in Australia till July 84. So it's that typical Australia getting things a little bit later. But originally it was based on a comic book created by two French cartoonists, a guy called Jean Calapin, I think you would pronounce it, and Bruno Bianchi. So they came up with the original concept of Gadget himself. And they based him a little bit on Maxwell Smart and a little bit on Inspector Clouseau from the Pink Panther movies. The series started with Gadget just as Gadget. There was no backstory about why he was Gadget, why he was a cyborg or whatever you want to call him, Bionic. There's no real mention of why his niece Penny is living with him. There's no mention of her parents or anything like that. It's just Gadget's there, Penny's with him, Penny's dog brain. She has a book computer, which is the equivalent of an iPad that you'd have now, years before we had book computers. And he's always just up against Dr. Claw and a different, almost guest villain in each episode. So Dr. Claw has henchmen that do his dirty work, whether they're just you know general thug type henchmen or whether there's a specific person that they bring in to try and do it but I, I don't know what the deal is between Dr. Claw and Gadget himself but Gadget's always the nemesis for Dr. Claw so Dr. Claw's always plotting his way to get rid of Gadget so he can do his crimes but Gadget kind of bumbles his way through everything and eventually saves the day but really it's Penny and Brain that do all the the, the work and uh, ongoing gags in the show is the fact that Brain will dress up as humans and pretend to like search for something or be there to try and stop something. But Gadget always thinks that Brain is the bad guy and spends most of his time trying to stop Brain while Penny's solving the real crime sort of thing. But as a kid, I used to watch it and I never used to think that a dog dressed in a suit or, you know, dressed as a human was actually that conspicuous or inconspicuous is probably the right way to say it. And it's kind of like, well, how doesn't Gadget know that it's a dog? But yeah, Gadget's obviously not very smart. No. I mean, I because it is such a cartoony show, like the design, I just saw it as a show. Yeah. I didn't see it as something that's believable. In the same way that Bugs Bunny always dressed up as a woman and got away with it. Yeah. It's just like, it's so... You know, there's no uncanny valley going, oh, how is this believable? It just is. You just don't question No. Yeah, I never sort of questioned that. But yeah, like I said, I cannot for the life of me remember an episode. Like, not one episode goes... Oh, I remember that one episode where this happened. No, I just know that opening theme song. Mm. Well, the opening theme song is iconic because it is written by Shiki Levy. Who's done everything. Exactly. So Mask, the background music for He-Man, Shira, uh, Mysterious Cities of Hell. Yeah, and then he went on to partner with Haim Sabin for quite a bit to do a lot of other music. And Haim Sabin is obviously the man behind 
Power Rangers bringing it from Japan to the States and becoming a millionaire because of it. Multi, multi-millionaire, yes. But I think the music is more iconic than the TV show. As you say, I don't remember a lot of the general plot of the episodes because they are pretty much generic. A lot of the time he's going to other places around the world and solving a sort of crime there. And it's kind of like, well, where's his jurisdiction? I thought he was an American placement, but anyway. But again, it's... It could be any episode. Like you can watch them completely out of order. There was two seasons, but I don't think there's any continuality in any of the shows. It's you could watch one episode, you can watch ten episodes, and it wouldn't make a lot of difference. And this is back when syndicated TV, so it was not just twenty-two episodes. It was eighty-six over those two seasons. Yep. So there's plenty. And I never got bored of the show. Like I would always watch it. It was entertaining enough, and I have actually gone back and watched some of the first season because it is available on Amazon Prime. So for some reason, my kids got into it sort of this time last year, and we actually had a big period where we watched an episode of Gadget almost every day, almost like we were reliving our childhood because they were about the same age as I would have been at the time, and they got into yeah. it. Like my younger one, I think enjoyed it more than my older boy, but. They both would sit down and watch episodes and it was kind of like, well, what do you want to watch? And they'd be like, I want to watch Gadget. So we went through all of the first season because they only have the first season on Amazon, unfortunately. But I'm sure you could find the other episodes online. So, okay, because I don't remember, was it funny? Like, because I know now I'd probably get frustrated because of the slapstick nature of him being silly or not very smart and also the fact that his gadgets never work. It is. That's what I vaguely remember the jokes being centred around was brain dressing up as humans and him calling for this gadget thing and the wrong one comes out and hijinks and shoot. It it pretty much is that. It's the ongoing gag of Gadget not being very good and also being a bit of a klutz and trying to do things and ended up almost killing himself. But as I said, somehow saving the day mainly because Penny and Brain do all the work for it. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, is it funny? Yes, in plants, but you need to like that slapstick sort of humour. I, I don't know what age group it's aimed at. Like for me, it, it's probably not one of those teenage cartoons and it's not really a little, little kid cartoon. It's sort of somewhere in between. But yeah, you know, I still get some laughs out of it occasionally if I watch it again. But cool. uh, I do have those fond memories of being a kid in the mid to late 80s watching it religiously i can remember coming home from school doing whatever i needed to do and then in that time when you're getting ready for dinner just sitting down in front of the abc watching it so i remember looking forward to it but yeah like i said the nostalgia for it apart from the song is just not there i just don't remember it in that way i do remember they bought out toys yeah i remember the figure being really cool it was probably about a i think a 12 inch figure or something like that, yeah. Yeah, and it had you know the stretchy arms and the helicopter in the head, and you could do things with it. It was it was a cool figure. And they had the car and everything like that. I don't remember ever seeing it in the shop. I never had it. I would have wanted it only because I like toys. Yeah. But I do remember even into the 90s, because they bought out some action figures, because my mate who I met through the comic shop, so we're talking about 1991, he actually had the Dr. Claw figure. They bought out a Dr. Claw figure. Like I said earlier, Dr. Claw, you never saw him. You only saw him from behind and you only saw his hand. And they actually bought out a action figure with a sticker over his face. So if you wanted to see what Dr. Claw looked like, you had to buy the figure and take it out of the pack. That's cool. Yeah. So I'm sure you can look online and find it and see what Dr. Claw is meant to look like. But yes. But yeah, so obviously Gadget was kind of based on that whole Maxwell Smart Inspector Clouseau. But Dr. Claw was very much based on Blowfield from the James Bond movies because he was sitting in the big chair patting his, his cat. So Mad Cat. So yeah, but just looking at eBay now, you can buy a loose figure 
for about $100. Or if you want a mint in box version of the 1983 Bandai Inspector Gadget, you would pay $355 for it. There's also like little wind-up toy versions. There's sort of your four-inch action figure size. But something I've just noticed here that I didn't know actually existed, there's uh, Funko Pop finals of him as well with different variations mm. of different gadgets and they stuff. They might be quite new, actually, because I know they bought out an Inspector Gadget line in the last 12 months. Okay. And I looked at them and they were, they were very good. They were very accurate. Mm. But they were also looking around the $80 price man each. And it's like, who the hell is this for? And they're okay. rabid Inspector Gadget fans out there okay. wanting high-end Inspector Gadget toys. Interesting. But yeah, not for me. I, I never really looked twice at them until I saw the price. I was like, what the hell? Who's this for? But yeah. yeah. So I suppose we should talk about the cartoon before we move on. Let's talk about the cast. Don Adams, we mentioned, was the titular Inspector Gadget. Yes. But we had some familiar names in the rest of the voice casting. In Frank Welker. Yep. Yeah, we've talked about many times. IMDb's most credited actor. Yeah, he was Dr. Claw. And Gary Owens was actually in the pilot episode. And Gary Owens is a famous voice actor from Days Gone By. I think it was Roger Ramjet from memory. Yes, I think he was as well, yeah. So that was a cartoon, and that was the last I'd really thought about Inspector Gadget, to be honest, until 1999 when they announced a live-action movie starring Matthew Broderick and... I hadn't thought about it since they announced it because I never actually saw it at the time because it was not aimed for me in 1999. I was watching The Matrix and fight. Yep. I was not looking for Inspector Gadget movie. It was it was for no. kids. So it wasn't until last night that I actually watched this film. <laughs> had you seen it before this recent? No, I don't think I had. I can remember seeing the posters around with Matthew Broderick as Gadget because – being a yep. Ferris Bueller fan, everyone knows Matthew Broderick. Not a Biloxi Blues fan? No. Okay. It's either going to be election or it's going to be Ferris. So that, that's Matthew Broderick for me. But I just find any time I watch Matthew Broderick, it's just like this is what Ferris is going to be when he grows yes. up. But the interesting thing about the, the film is they kind of give it a backstory. Well, this is the origin of both him and Dr. Claw. Yeah. And Rupert Everett plays Dr. Claw. Yeah. He hasn't got a claw at the start. He's got a face that you see constantly. He's not hidden at all. Yeah. And that, that's what I thought as well. It's like they start off that Gadget's a security guard and he's just John, someone or other. And Dr. Claw's just some generic doctor as well. But he gets a, a bowling ball dropped on his hand or something, doesn't he? Or a bomb dropped on his hand. And he- so the this is the origin of Inspector Gadget and Dr. Claw. So Gadget is just a security guard who has dreams. It actually opens on a dream sequence where he's a policeman and he saves a bunch of school kids from an out-of-control bus and a dog and the people love him. And this is very of its time looking like the cat in the hat sort of movies that sort of very hyper real Austin Powersy sort of very colorful very cartoony but real life sort of look about yeah. it and it was a dream sequence where he's this uber cop and he wakes up by his niece Penny who's not explained but living there with him and saying you got to go to work and he's a security guard and he's very studious. He's very good, but he's yeah. just that little bit of a, not a simpleton. He's just, he's not A grade. He's not an action star or anything like that. No. So he ends up, he, he's a security guard at a science laboratory sort of company. And Rupert Everett, like you mentioned, is a bad guy. And he's like an evil CEO of a, a rival cybernetic company. Yeah. And he wants to get the technology from the other company. So they go, he gets, sends his henchmen to steal it. You know, the action scene plays out and being the security guard that he is he heads off in his little hatch wagon 
tries to chase after the guys who have stolen the thing. And this is where he gets blown up and crashed in a car and blown up. At the same time, a rogue bowling ball that has happened to be in his car during the explosion crushes Rupert Everett's hand which gives him his claw later on because he tried to save the cybernetic, the the company and everything involved. And he's, there were two doctors of a lady and her father were the main cybernetic yeah. scientists. He tried to save yeah. it. They were basically as a Robocop origin. So yeah, it's exactly. sort of like, Oh, we were just waiting for the right person to come along to do the, the cybernetic experiments on. Yeah. And this person is true of nature and he's the person we're going to do it on. So essentially nearly dies. For this cartoony movie, he essentially dies like he's in full traction. He's got a full body cast in hospital. Yeah. And they go and install all this cybernetics in him and he becomes, in like Robocop, he becomes the poster child for cybernetics and saying he's going to be the yeah. best cop around. And Dabney Coleman, who plays Chief Quimby in this, who you might know from 9 to 5 or War Games, so it's a Matthew Broderick-Dabney Coleman reunion. Yeah. He doesn't really want anything of it. So he's sending him off to do all these things like traffic control and saving cats out of trees he doesn't want him on the force but dr claw has arisen in this time and he's starting to do his bad stuff and so that's who gadget being who he's inspector gadget now that's what he's called and he goes out to try and find him so it's it is a kid's film yeah very much so. it's 1999 it's disney so there's money there and the special effects are pretty much 1999 but you can compare it's the same time as the matrix but they probably didn't spend the money that they did on the yeah. match. All the Phantom Menace. We're talking the same year. But as a kid's film, I'm watching it. My my initial reaction was, they've done the origin. Mm. This is yeah. interesting. Like Penny is helping out, but not in the same way. Penny's actually played by Michelle Trachtenberg, who went on to be Buffy's little That's sister, right. Dawn, in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. That's right. Hmm. Or Harriet the Spy. Yeah. Yeah, so she did. She does help out, like in the cartoon, and they've got a dog called Brain, yep. who sort of helps out too. And in the cartoon, he had a transforming car, but that's all it did. It went from a hatch to a police car. But this time around, he gets a convertible that talks to him, hmm. and it's got sass. It's got personality, and it does most of the work. Yep. So he's got his, you know, he's got his characters there, and essentially, let's, I mean, he goes on, saves a day, and gets yep. the girl. It's fine for what it is. I watched it going, eh, it's not doing the gadget stuff that I remember. Like, it didn't have Brain dressing up as a woman. It didn't have Penny with her iPad sort of saving the day, but she did sort of do it. Yeah. And there were some jokes there, and his gadgets weren't working properly and all this sort of stuff. Something they did do that was quite funny was... Dr. Claw himself made a evil Inspector Gadget robot. Yeah. So it was Matthew Broderick playing off himself as a bad guy, but he had these ridiculously perfect teeth, and that's how you could tell the difference. So it was good to see a kick-ass Inspector Gadget in that way, where he was going around destroying shit and fucking shit up. So that was kind yeah. of cool. And, you know, like I said, it all played out and it was fine. I'm looking at it going, would my kids like this movie? Yes, they would. Yeah. So I would show it to them, I think, because it's fun enough. There's jokes. It moves at a nice pace. And it's it's a live-action cartoon, really. I mean, that's what it is. You know, he's, he's got his gadgets. He's, you know, he gets his helicopters or his rocket skates and he does all that stuff. And it's like, yep. yeah, it was entertaining for what it was, but I'm looking at it going, but it's not really the cartoon. It's, it's not it's how like, I remembered it. And it was like, okay, it's fine. Yeah, well, so it made, uh, the budget was $90 million, it made $134 million. It made money. Okay, it didn't look like a $90 million film. It looked cheaper. But the, it had some nice bits. It, it, it was fine. Yes. Yeah, so there was like enough of a success to make a sequel because I was watching it on Disney Plus. And on there it said, you've just watched this. Would you like to watch the second one? It's like, why not? I've gone this far. So 
the second one in the true sense of back then sequels that were cheaper not more expensive so like Mortal Kombat yep. or something like that so they didn't get Matthew Broderick no they got French Stewart to be Inspector Gadget and pretty much no one else came back except the voice of the car yes Dale Healy who is what I should I know who that is well he's a he's a comedian he's been in a few things he's not a big name but he is a name okay the, the other problem with the sequel is the fact that it was filmed here in Australia so a lot of the other actors in it are Australian so you've got Mark Mitchell turns up as Chief Quimby wow and Tony Martin who was one of the bad guys of E Street back in the day yes Reverend Bob Brown from E Street plays Dr. Claw true form and Sigrid Thornton plays the mayor yeah and also the scientist person who works on inspector gadget was stork yes bruce spence who you might know from mad max 2 mad max 3 dark city star wars trilogy yes so i mean for me it was great watching this very australian production i was like this is aussie as i love it it is very much it's a cheaper film so when you said 90 million dollars for the first one this wouldn't even be a third of that i reckon no so the budget for this was actually 12 million Oh, wow, even less. Well, for $12 million, it's actually not bad. It was much cheaper, but this was much more true to the cartoon. I'll give I'll give it credit. It wasn't bad. Now, it's not quite as good as far as, okay, the other one was more polished, but I actually had fun with this. It's terrible, don't get me wrong, but it was kind of fun. Uh, I still hated it. I thought it was just really bad. My 10-year-old son loved it. He thought it was great, but yeah, for me, it didn't have a lot of redeeming features. Okay. The story I thought was a bit naff. The acting was terrible, but yeah, I, I don't know. It wasn't for me. So that's the thing. It was. It, it felt like the cartoon to a, to a point of annoyance because hmm. there was catchphrases in the cartoon. Inspector Gadget says wowzers. That's his catchphrase. And French Stewart says wowzers a lot in the movie, which is really annoying because in 22 minutes, you might hear it two or three times. That's fine. You move on. But in the movie, he said it a lot. And it was like, okay, I'm a, this is annoying now. Stop it. But apart from that, I, I was watching it for the Australian stuff. And it was just so funny seeing. I was like, this is so Queensland. This is so, look at all those Aussie actors. Mark Mitchell from Round the Twist fame. Yeah, so that was, but it, it felt more like the cartoon. And it was hokey in that way. And I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I get. This is the yep. vibe. And this is also why they didn't do it in the first movie. Because it wouldn't work. Because that's the thing. So many times we'll watch a movie that's been based on a beloved children's TV show or something. And they'll change it up. And it's like, why isn't it like the cartoon? Like the Mars the Universe movie, there's reasons. One, budget, and they can't, and special effects, and all these sort of things. But sometimes a 22-minute toy ad doesn't translate to an hour and a half movie. No. It just doesn't work. Like you said, your son loved it. I reckon my kids would love it too, because it is just slapstick silly, and it's it's a live-action cartoon. It really is. It's not very good, mm. but it's fun, and it moves at a steady pace. Yep. Everybody's hamming up the acting. Like Mark Mitchell's hamming it up. Sigrid Thornton's hamming it up. Dr. Yep. Claw, Reverend Bob. He is absolutely hamming up as it, it's yep. yeah. What you imagine, like it was for me, it felt like the old Batman TV show. It really did. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. So it, it just didn't quite nail it, but it was close. It's not good. Like I said, it's hmm. not good. I'm not going to recommend anyone watch this. But it's like, I will have no problem showing it to my kids because I reckon they'll dig it. But yeah, so needless to say, not successful enough to make another one. No, but it didn't end there for Gadget. There was a reboot in 2015 that was kind of CGI reboot. But I've watched the first episode of that because it's available on YouTube. And again, it didn't really do it for me. Just the style of the animation was very much the you know mid-2000s style of animation that 
just doesn't feel the same. Okay. I, I think the fact that the original is hand-drawn and this was CGI just didn't work for me. And again, it was Penny and Brain doing all the work and Gadget just having dodgy gadgets that didn't quite work. But they threw in, in the first episode, they threw in a nephew of Dr. Claw to be, I guess, a, a nemesis for Penny. Yep. So we had like two teenagers fighting against each other and it just didn't work for me. But yeah, it, it just shows that there is obviously a bit of love for gadgets still out. Well, I did read the reason that picked up that show was because they bought out an iOS game and it got like a million downloads in the first week. Okay. And it was a, just a endless sort of running game. Yeah. But it was so popular, they go, oh, there's, there's legs here, let's do it. <laughs> and that, that's sort of where that one came out. I was like, oh, okay. And there was a, another show in the early mid-90s, it was Inspector Gadget, the Gadgetinis or something. Yeah. So the, he's not really gone away. He keeps coming back. They keep trying to bring him back. So there must be a love for him and a nostalgia. And I think it comes down to that music. Yeah, I think it does too. Mm. Actually, something that we may have to mention closer to Christmas if we do another cartoon, Christmas I Countdown. I did notice that. There was a 1992 Inspector Gadget Saves Christmas episode. So maybe we should try and yes. drag that out at some stage as well. But I think yeah. so. Yeah, I don't know. Like Going back and watching it, as I said, I got some chuckles from re-watching some of the original series. There was a couple of bits in that first movie with Matthew Broderick that I didn't mind, but French Stewart I didn't like as Gadget, and I really didn't like the 2015. So for me, you can't beat original Gadget. So the 1980s series is probably where it's at for me. So, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Well, I, I, I'm happy I saw it. I'm done. I will probably show the kids the movie, and they can investigate the cartoons if they want, because they're obviously there and yep. about it was a trip down memory lane i was happy enough and i'm done yeah. well, it was good well i think that that's enough about inspector gadget and we'll leave everyone to go on their merry little ways yes thank you mitch so if you do have any feedback for us if you want to talk about your favorite gadget episode if there was one you can jump on our facebook we are facebook.com slash the massive attack podcast we are the ma podcast on twitter and you can find us on our website which is the podcast.podbean.com and until next time thank you very much mitch Thank you. All right, bye-bye. Bye.